Let's now bow our heads and pray. Our loving Father in heaven, thank you, dear God, for the gift of life. Thank you, Father, for the freedom we have to come into this house of worship, to listen to your word, and to be blessed by your spirit. Forgive our sins, dear God. Whatever we may have done today to, to disgrace you, we ask you to cleanse our hearts. Cast our sins into the depth of the sea. And look upon us, Lord, as if we had never sinned. Now, Father, grant to us the spirit of truth, that he may guide us, lead us into truth, for it is truth alone that sanctifies and sets us free. Speak through me. Put your words in my mouth. I humble myself before you, dear God. It is my desire to make the word clear that you alone may be glorified and your people blessed. Please, God, answer this prayer because I've offered it in Jesus' name. Amen. How are you living? Matthew chapter 4, reading from verse 1, the temptation of Jesus Christ in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4, reading from verse 1. Do you have Matthew? Chapter 4, reading from verse 1. Thank you for that spirited response. The Bible says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Verse 5. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. It is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus saith unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. This passage, with which we're so familiar, gives us an example of how to defeat the devil. The example, of course, is through the Word of God. When the devil tempted Christ to turn stones to bread, Jesus said, it is written. When he tempted the Savior to jump off a building to impress the crowd with some theatrical display, Jesus said, it is written. When he tempted Christ with material possessions in exchange for Christ's soul submitted to him, Jesus Christ said, it is written. While the devil changed his temptations, Jesus Christ never changed his response. There is only one response that causes Satan to back up, and that is the word of God. It has power. But there's something else about Christ's responses to Satan. All three of his responses came from the book of Deuteronomy. 
And all three responses came from a certain section of the book of Deuteronomy. And our subject is, how are you living? And it is based on the very first response of Jesus Christ to the first temptation when he said in verse 4 of Matthew 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And what we want to explain and uncover and unravel tonight, what did Jesus mean when he said, Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. To what was Jesus Christ referring? In a very real sense, Genesis to Revelation represents all that proceeded out of the mouth of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. But in a more direct and narrow sense, Jesus Christ was making a very specific reference when he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, let us look at the responses of Jesus Christ. Temptation 1, man shall not live by bread alone. Temptation 2, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Temptation 3, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now the first response, thou shalt live by bread alone, is from Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. The second response, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, Deuteronomy 6, verse 16. And the third response, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve, Deuteronomy 6, 13. Now, from Deuteronomy 8 and Deuteronomy 6, that's where Jesus Christ got his three responses. Let us take a broad look at the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a review of the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and all that God had done. Moses is reminding the people they are on the brink of Canaan. They are about to cross over, and Moses wants to stress one thing particularly, and that thing really is, Yahweh is your God. You must try to be, through a life of obedience, his people. Let me say that again. Yahweh is your God, the God of heaven and earth. He is your God, and Moses is appealing to them, live as though you are his people. The sections of the book are three broad sections. From chapter 1, verse 1, to chapter 4, verse 43. That is a historical review of the 40 years. God's repeated deliverances and the places where those deliverances occurred. And Moses urges them, obey God and avoid idolatry. That's a summary of Deuteronomy 1, verse 1, to chapter 4, verse 43. The second section begins in chapter 4, verse 44, and goes all the way down to chapter 26, verse 19. That's a huge section. And that section covers moral and civil statutes. But that large section from chapter 4, verse 44, to chapter 26, verse 19, can itself be broken down into two subsections, Chapters 5 through 11 and 12 through 26. Let's leave 5 to 11 for a while. Let's look at 12 through 26. In this section or this subsection, Moses is stressing the statutes that govern worship, purity, tithe, priests, prophets, kings, the three annual feasts, 
how to prepare for war, and of course, the private and social lives of the people. That is from chapter 12 to 26. Now, chapters 5 to 11 focus exclusively on an exposition, an enlargement, an explanation of what? Take a good guess. The Ten Commandments. Moses, first of all, repeats them in chapter 5. And then he explains, he goes into this exposition all the way down to chapter 11. I repeat, this section of Deuteronomy, chapters 5 through 11, are an exposition. He is stressing, trying to make clear what God meant by those 10 precepts. Now, it is from this section... That Jesus Christ got his three responses to Satan. Command that these stones be made bread. Man shall not live by bread alone. Deuteronomy 8.3 Jump off the temple. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Deuteronomy 6.16 Fall down and worship me. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. Deuteronomy 6.13 Now, we're focusing on the first response of Christ. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Let us look at God speaking directly words out of his mouth. And let's see which situation fits the words of Jesus Christ. Let's stay in the book of Matthew. Let's look at chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Our subject is, how are you living and it's based on the words of Christ, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Let's look at the incident where God spoke audibly. Words literally proceeded out of his mouth. Matthew 3, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Verse 17, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now these words literally proceeded out of the mouth of God. But God only spoke to those who were gathered around that section of Jordan where John the Baptist baptized Jesus Christ. They heard, yes. But the earth did not shake, as is said of God when he spoke the Ten Commandments. There was not a mountain burning with fire. There was not thick clouds and darkness and the sound of a trumpet and all the sensual occurrences that terrified the Israelites. He just spoke. Jesus heard. John the Baptist heard. The gathering crowd heard. Satan heard. And that was that. And the words that God spoke were not words by which men and women were to live. He simply identified Jesus Christ as his and that he was pleased with him. Let's look at God speaking audibly again. Matthew chapter 17, we look at verse 5. This is the occasion on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus Christ is with Peter, James, and John. And Jesus Christ begins to shine, his clothes shine, his face begins to glow. And Peter suggests that they build three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elias, and one for Jesus. Because Moses and Elias appeared with Christ. 
In verse 5, the Bible says, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Here again, God speaks audibly, and literally, words proceed out of his mouth. The only audience were Jesus, Peter, James, John, and the two heavenly visitors, Moses and Elijah. And what God said was not a prescription for how people should live their lives. Remember, Jesus said, man shall live by words that proceeded out of God's mouth. Let's look at a third occasion where God spoke audibly. John chapter 12, reading from verse 27, our subject is, how are you living? John 12, reading from verse 27, it's a seven minutes after seven. We are in good time tonight. Do you have John? Reading from verse 27. Has anyone prayed and said, Lord, put your words in that man's mouth? Anyone prayed that tonight so far? Thank you very much. God bless you. I believe that the rest of you, it just slipped your mind. But you can do it right now while you're finding John 12. I really need your help. Ask God to put his words in my mouth. One wrong word, and I may ruin somebody's spiritual experience. Are you with me? John 12, reading from verse 27, the Bible says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Verse 28, then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Here the Father spoke from heaven audibly. And those who stood by, they heard it. But this was not God instructing mankind about how they should live. So we cannot use that, the words that proceeded from God's mouth on that occasion, to say this is the way we should live. So when Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, what occasion when God spoke publicly was Jesus referring to? And we get a clue from the fact that all of the responses of Jesus Christ came from a certain section of Deuteronomy, and it is the section dealing with the Ten Commandments. Now let's go to God speaking audibly on another occasion. Exodus chapter 19. We shall read from verse 10. Our subject is, how are you living? Exodus 19, reading from verse 10. God is giving Moses instructions to prepare the people to receive him. He is coming down for a very, very significant reason. And the Lord said unto Moses, go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. And be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord shall come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. That's Exodus 19, 10, and 11. Let's skip to 16. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. 
Listen to verse 18. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it with fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount shook or quaked greatly. The Bible says the entire mountain was shaking, but Paul informs us in Hebrews 12, 26, that the voice of Jesus Christ shook the earth on that occasion. It was the only time that God spoke and he spoke the entire or he spoke to the entire Israelite nation. And they heard him at the same time. On all other occasions, God spoke to Moses and Moses informed the Israelites. But on this occasion, God spoke to the entire assembly. And when he uttered his voice, the Bible says the whole earth shook. Now what proceeded out of his mouth on that occasion? Chapter 20, reading from verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, and out of the house of bondage thou shalt have no other gods before me. All the way down to verse 17, where the Ten Commandments come to an end, as far as God declaring them is concerned. On that occasion, the words that proceeded out of the mouth of God, and by the way, the member of the Godhead who spoke was Jesus Christ himself, were the Ten Commandments. God spoke a lifestyle. Are you with me? God spoke a code of conduct. What he was telling the Israelites, this is how you live. If you are my people, this is all I require of you. This is all I will write on your heart. And when Jesus, the same voice that spoke on Sinai, in his human condition, when he confronted Satan, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, referring to the commandments because he quoted a scripture from a section of the Bible that deals with the Ten Commandments. What I'm saying to you is this. When Jesus Christ said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, he was saying man must live in conformity with God's law. And a person who lives like that is protected against Satan's worst attacks. The only safety against Satan is obedience from the heart. Not how clever you are and how educated I am and how socially connected we are. The only safety against Satan is a life of faithful obedience to God. And all God requires of a man or a woman or an angel is a life in conformity with those special words that proceeded out of his mouth. And those words were and are the Ten Commandments. But what other evidence can we glean from the Bible? Go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We shall read verses 2 and 3. Deuteronomy 8 verses 2 and 3. Our subject is how are you living? Do you have Deuteronomy 8 verses 2 and 3? The Bible says, and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee this far in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. God never does anything haphazardly. And thou shalt remember 
all the way which the Lord thy God led thee in the wilderness. These 40 years in the wilderness. To humble thee. To prove thee. To know what was where? In thine heart. And what was it God was trying to find in their heart? Whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. He is searching their heart now. He knows what is in their hearts. He wants them to see what's in their hearts because we don't know. What is God looking for in their hearts? Will they keep my commandments or not? Now, the use of the word commandment in verse 2 is a commentary on what we will see in verse 3. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know. That he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. And so what verse 3 is, is, is telling us is that when God said he wants to see if they will keep his commandments, verse 3 simply tells us keeping God's commandments is the way that man should live. And there's no other way. A life of obedience to God is all that God requires of his children. But that obedience must proceed from where? The heart. And so God said that he might know what is in their hearts, Deuteronomy 8, to whether they would keep his commandments or no. Now listen to Jesus Christ on another occasion, but, but, but stressing the same point. Matthew 6, reading from verse 25. As we continue, how are you living? Matthew 6, reading from verse 25. We were in Deuteronomy. Let's run all the way to Matthew 6, reading from verse 25. I think I'll let you out early tonight. No one said amen. That's not good. <laughs> Matthew 6, reading from verse 25. The Bible says, Therefore take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat? And the body than Raymond. Now, why is Christ saying that? Notice the first word of verse 25. What is the first word? Therefore. What does that word tell you immediately? That what is spoken in 25 all the way down to 34 is the result of something said before. Are you with me? The word therefore connects 25 onward to something said before. Now, before we examine what was said before, let's look at 25 onward. Therefore I say unto thee, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is that not what so many of us make number one in our lives? Security in this life. Now, that's not a crime. It's a crime when it becomes number one in the life. Are you with me? No, you're not. You didn't like what I just said. Southern California. Well, let me tell you anyhow. When a living, when making a living is your number one priority, that's displeasing in the sight of God. Jesus says, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Christ is asked, is there not something more important than a physical life? 
A secure life at a material level. Having your house, your food, your clothes, your car, whatever. Christ is saying, is there not something at a higher level than that? Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Christ is telling his people, do not worry... Do not be crazy about a physical life. But why is he saying that? Let's go back to verse 24 where Jesus says, No man can serve two masters. Give me another word for serve. It's a short word for others. Say it loudly. Obey. Spiritually, obey and serve are the same thing. You can't serve and disobey. How do you do it? Here you are working as a, some big CEO and you're his assistant. How do you serve him in disobedience? It doesn't work. To serve is to obey. Jesus is saying no man can serve or obey two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Now Jesus is saying, your obedience must be to one power or the other. Now he's saying, when your obedience is to God, when your service is to God, when your master is God, when the one you serve, obey, worship is God, then he says, take no thought. Let me say differently, when your life is a life of faithful obedience to God, Jesus says, don't worry. That's how you live. Your priority, says Christ, obedience to God. And Jesus said to the devil, that's how mankind should live. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. In other words, the life we must live is a life of obedience to God. His every word and his every word as Jesus intended was a reference to the Ten Commandments. Because in the Bible, word sometimes refers to a statement. Not just individual word. Go to Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 14. Galatians 5 verse 14. Do you have that? Read with me. For all the what? Is, is what? Fulfilled in? Say it loudly. In? What's the one word? Finish the verse. What's the one word? Thou shalt. How? Yes. The one word is, thou shalt love thy neighbor. That's the one word. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 25 and 26, or 26 and 27 of Hebrews. You have Hebrews 12, reading verses 26 and 27. In 26, it begins this way, Whose voice then shook the earth, but now hath he promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but heaven also. Christ is saying, I'll shake earth and heaven one day. And this word, yet once more. Did you see that in verse 27? 
And this word, what's the word? Yet once more. So in scripture sometimes, word refers to a statement. The Ten Commandments are ten words. Thank you. Can I have another one? <laughs> you are stingy with your amens. It's okay. I don't mind begging. I try to be humble. By God's grace, I'll beg. The Ten Commandments are ten words. Christ took his responses to Satan from that section of Deuteronomy dealing with the Ten Commandments. What Jesus Christ was saying... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every commandment that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so my question to you and to me tonight is, how are you living? Jesus didn't say by nine of the ten words. He said every word. What's word number one? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Is there something in your life ahead of God? How about your boyfriend? That keeps you from church. How about your girlfriend called Jezebel? <laughs> keeps you from prayer meeting. Boyfriend's name is Beelzebub. How about pursuing a career? So no time for church. No time for Bible study. I have to finish a research paper. How about a spouse who intimidates you into not serving God? I don't mean to sound harsh. I just mean to be clear and direct. Thou shalt have what? Know the gods. What's the second word? Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. And they're connected. What's your image? Do you attend a church where people worship images? What's word number three? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. We always think of cursing when we say that. But you take God's name in vain also by claiming to be a Christian, a child of God, but living a different life. Are we honoring that word? What's word number five? Honor thy father and thy mother. Young people, that also includes the older men and women of the church. They are your mothers and your fathers. Read 1 Timothy 5. Against an elder, receive not a rebuke. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. And the younger men as brothers. The older women as mothers and the younger as sisters with all purity. The older men in the churches are your spiritual fathers. The older women are your spiritual mothers. The younger women, your spiritual sisters. The younger men, your spiritual brothers. Honor thy father and thy mother. Ultimately, the father that receives the highest honor is God in heaven. And the way that God wants honor is by simple obedience. Jesus honored his heavenly father when he looked at his earthly father and said, Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business. What's the sixth word? Thou shalt not kill. Do you gossip about people? Do we tear down people's reputation when nomination time comes around?
do we speak so badly of people that others who believe our false and libelous words break away from the church? Do we destroy people by the things we say about them? Thou shalt not kill. Do you hold anger in your heart towards somebody? You have no biblical reason for it, but you have held this anger against the pastor, against the conference president, against somebody who took whatever. Do you have that? Thou shalt not kill. Christ identifies unreasonable anger with murder. What's the seventh word? Thou shalt not commit adultery. No explanation needed. Or do you need it? What's commandment eight? Thou shalt not steal. You are paid to be at work from eight to five. Do you get to work at ten after eight every day? And leave at 4.30? You owe your employer a refund. What's word number nine? Thou shalt not covet. Uh, thou shalt not bear false witness. Can people take your word? Can people take mine? You know what the Bible says? Let your yea be what? And your nay be what? That's it. That's it. When a Christian says yes, that's it. No, that's it. Is our word trustworthy? What's word number 10? Thou shalt not covet. Everything you see your neighbor have, do you want? You know, some people are in debt because they want what everyone else has. It keeps money away from the work of the gospel. What's word number four? Remember the Sabbath day. Do you remember the Sabbath day? To keep it holy. I'm not talking about any visitor who might be among us who's not a Sabbath keeper. I'm talking to Seventh-day Adventists. Because no one breaks the Sabbath like Adventists. Do you keep the Sabbath holy? You cook on Sabbath, don't answer me. <laughs> Iron your clothes on Sabbath. Now someone may say, ah, this man is a legalist. I am not a legalist. If someone is doing brain surgery, do you want him to be precise or her? Yes or no? Yes. Would you like him to be legalistic about what to cut and not cut? Yes. God is a God of details. This is not legalism. This is making every effort to please God. And if God says, cook what you'll cook, boil what you'll boil, seethe what you'll seethe on Friday, this is not legalism. Do we keep the Sabbath holy? Well, there's a Sabbath finders one minute before sundown running out of state of brothers. How are we living? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. What was Christ referring to? The commandments he spoke for his father. That's how we live.
And God functions by this principle. Anything I ask you to do, I provide you with power to do it. And so before he said, thou shalt have no other gods before me, he first reminded them of who he was. And God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. In that brief statement, Christ was reminding the Israelites, I sent frogs on Egypt. I turned the water to blood. I brought flies, I brought lice, I brought moraine, I brought boils, I brought locusts, I brought hail, I brought darkness, I brought the destroying angel, I parted the Red Sea, I turned bitter water sweet by having Moses throw a tree into the water, I brought water from a rock, I brought food from heaven. And the same power I used to do that, I will give you to obey me. If it's in the heart to obey, there is no excuse available to anyone short of genuine ignorance for living a disobedient life to God on the basis of God's requirements are too tough. When you say that, you call God a liar. This is love that we keep his commandments and his commandments are what? Not Grievous, 1 John 5, verse 3. They are not grievous, says God. And if God says they're not a burden, who am I or who are you with all respect to say it's too hard, I can't do it. Yes, you can through faith in Jesus Christ. Will somebody say amen? amen? Yes, you can. Jesus says that's the way to live. And when Jesus says man shall not live by bread alone, he was including himself because he was a man. If it was good for Christ, is good for us. And so I ask you with respect and spiritual concern, how are you living? My mission all this week is to magnify the law and make it honorable. Jesus Christ, that's how he lived. And so when he concluded Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, what he was referring to is the righteousness that is found in a life of obedience to God's will, which is God's law. Because Christ in his own life, according to Romans 8, 3 and 4, he fulfilled the righteousness of the law. To seek God's righteousness is to live a life in conformity with his righteous law. My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. Psalm 119, verse 172. All the commandments are expressions of righteousness. And the only way to be saved is by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It is expressed in Christ's life. It's expressed in the law. And the power to live that life is available to everyone who's willing and senses the need. Because without that power, none of us can keep God's law. You just can't do it. Because the law is spiritual. We are carnal. To obey a spiritual law, we must be made spiritual. And that is what conversion does. And so the question again for the final time, possibly, how are we living? Let's examine our lives tonight. Is there a precept of the Ten Commandments? Is there one of the Ten Words that represents a weakness, a deficit in our lives? If there is, let's ask God tonight.
for pardon. Let's ask him for forgiveness and ask him for the strength and the mind of Christ, which is the heart of Christ, in whose heart it is said, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. That law that represents a lifestyle that Jesus lived and he wants us to live is a lifestyle of love. And if there's any one of us who knows within his or her heart that we're guilty of breaking one of the ten consistently, tonight God can forgive us and put our feet on a path of obedience from the heart. In conformity with the words of Christ, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. And every word was a reference to the ten words that Christ himself spoke on Sinai, the ten commandments. Which one of you will say, Lord, there's one commandment where I've had a problem. It is not your fault, it's mine. But give me grace, forgive me, and give me grace to honor you in that law I have been breaking. Can I see your right hand? If it applies to you. There is one. Stand up with me. There is one. It represents an area of rebellion in our lives. And tonight we'll say, Father, forgive me. As we understand more clearly, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. And every word was a reference to the Ten Commandments. Each commandment could be referred to as a word. And so we stand to say, Father, forgive me for frequently violating this particular commandment or that one. Give me grace. Give me strength. Give me more of the obedient life of Christ who said of himself in John 15 10 if ye keep my commandments he shall abide in my love even as I also kept my father's commandments that must be the testimony God has of us that we have kept his commandments through faith in Jesus Christ the gospel's work is to produce in us an obedient life Is there someone listening to me? Listen carefully. You have never surrendered your life to Christ. Never. It's a word, never. Your heart has been touched tonight. You'd like to say, Lord, I have been touched, convicted. I would like to surrender my life to you. I've never done that. But I'd like to surrender my life to you tonight and invite you to live in me. And produce in me that life that you require. Anyone like that? I would li- I've never done it, but I'd like to surrender my life. I'm very strict in this appeal. You've never given your life to Christ. I didn't say you've never come to church. There are some people who come to church by habit without ever having consciously, deliberately, and intentionally given their lives to Christ. You don't give your life to Christ by osmosis. It does not happen instinctively. It must be a deliberate surrender. So I ask you again, if you are aware you have never consciously, deliberately, of your own free will, given your life to Jesus Christ, and you'd like that tonight let me see your right hand come come i won't hold you long come come my brother come come don't be afraid come you have never consciously deliberately intentionally of your own free will decided lord i want you to have my life here is my life you've never done that You've been coming to church by habit, the habit of the family, the habit of your tribe or your ethnic group, but you have never individually said, Father, I want to give my life to Christ, and I'm doing that now. If that applies to you, come. 
There's no such thing as automatic surrender to Jesus Christ. It must be deliberate. Anyone else? Come. Let me pray for you. My prayer, I have no power. God has the power. And what you've done pleases him. Come, please come. 23 minutes to 8. We'll be finished in 5 minutes. Come, my brother, come. God bless you. Let me repeat the call. You have never consciously, deliberately, intentionally, purposefully, without any force from anyone, given your life to Christ. You want to do that tonight. Come. Your family can't give your life to Christ. You have to do it. The fact that you grew up in the church doesn't mean you gave your life to Christ. Anyone else before I pray? Come and say, Father, I want to live based on what Jesus said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. By that sacred law that expresses the very heart of God, the very heart of Christ, and the very soul and, 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 uh, and heart of the new covenant. Anyone else? Praise God for those who came. I hope you're praying that many more hearts will be convicted. I'll give you 60 seconds and I'll pray, let you go. The call is, you have never personally, deliberately, consciously, intentionally, purposefully, of your own free will said, Lord, I give you my life. Lead it. Direct me. You want to do that tonight. And live your life by God. Christ's prescription by every word, meaning the Ten Commandments. Do that tonight. Christ gave his life for you. Give yours to him. Anyone else? Are you sure? Anyone else? Let's pray. Loving Father in heaven, we thank you today, God, for your word, for its instruction. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We thank you for the power of the word, which is your very spirit. The word has your life. It has your holiness. It has your righteousness. It has your power. And the word has spoken to us tonight. We are to live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God from Mount Sinai. We are to live in conformity with your holy law, which is an expression of your character, which is an expression of the character of your Son, which is the very heart and soul of the new covenant. A life lived in conformity with your law is what the gospel accomplishes in our lives. Father in heaven, your children have come forward in answer to the call, and I ask you today, God, the God of love, since it is your will that they give your, their lives to you, we ask you today, God, and I believe everyone joins me in this prayer, grant them grace now. Grant them the sustaining power of your Holy Spirit, because Satan is not happy. He will try to discourage them, but sustain them tonight. As your servant Ellen White says, in Bible Commentary, Volume 7, page 974, Paragraph 3, it is not necessary to gain strength a month ahead. We are to conquer from day to day. Give them conquering power tonight that they may leave this building without any doubt whatsoever that they walk out of this place as children of God. Father in heaven, if there's someone who should have made this commitment and has not, touch that person's heart until he or she surrenders and gives that blood-bought life to Christ. Take us home safely. 
Let us ponder the words we've heard. Bring us back tomorrow night, we pray, to listen to your word again. We offer this prayer in Jesus' name and for his sake. Let all God's people say, Amen and Amen. God bless you, my brothers and sisters, for coming. God bless you. Your life in the hands of Christ is the safest place for your life. Remain faithful to God. Come back tomorrow night to hear more of his word. God bless you. Nothing between mm-hmm. my soul and my Savior, not of this world's delusive dreams. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine, there's nothing between, nothing between my soul and my Savior, so that if blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clear. Let nothing between. Nothing between like worldly pleasures. Habits of life, though harmless they seem, must not my heart from him ever sever. He is my all, there's nothing between. soul and my Savior, so that His blessed face may be seen, nothing preventing the least of His favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing between nothing between even many hard trials though the whole world against me convene watching with prayer and much self Denial, triumph at last. There's nothing between. Help me sing a song. Nothing between my soul and my Savior. So that is, so that His.
blessed face may be seen. Nothing, nothing preventing the least of his fame. Keep the way, keep the way clear. Let nothing be between. Keep the way clear. Keep the way Nothing between my soul and the Savior. The only thing that can come between me and my Savior, you and your Savior, is sin. And sin is a transgression of the law. So expressed differently, the only thing that can come between us and our Savior is transgression of God's law. Jesus says it is the opposite that describes the lifestyle he wants. Live according to every word. And before I give the closing prayer, how many will say, Lord, if you give me the grace, and I know you're willing, I will try through Jesus Christ to live by every word. Can I see your right hand? Uh, God bless you. Stand, let us pray. I believe you're sincere. Let's pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father in heaven, We thank you again for your word and we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, please God, let the Spirit apply this word to our inward parts, to the very subconscious, dear God, that the word may affect us from the deepest level of our being and guide our thinking, our speaking, and our acting. Help us to live by every word that proceedeth out of God's mouth, the ten words the Ten Commandments, through the sustaining power of Jesus Christ, who set a flawless example of obedience. Take us home safely. In a very special way, bless those who give their lives to Christ tonight. Father, bless them doubly, I pray. Above all the rest of us, bless them. Keep them secure. Bring them back tomorrow night, still standing by that decision. Oh, let us sleep with the angels watching over us, dear God. And if it is your will to give us life tomorrow, be careful that life to your glory. Hear this humble prayer. We're offered in Jesus' name that all God's people say, Amen and Amen. God bless you. Please enjoy your sleep and come back tomorrow.